Her name is Rosa, and she leans against the worn wood of her home, perhaps her home, her left arm folded across her waist, holding her right arm. She gazes out into the distance, her eyes not wide, but somehow all-seeing. And Byron has, in some places, titled this photograph Sabiduria, Wisdom. Rosa's left ear is highlighted by the light, and we know she has not only seen much, but she has heard much. Rosa's image is in black and white, mostly. Magnificent, though, are the colors of her provincial blouse, a vibrant pattern in orange and green and blue and aqua. But why? Byron tells us traditional indigenous dress, or traje típico, is the most significant factor in preserving Mayan culture. This functions at the regional and national levels. Traje is more than just an outfit. It is identity-making clothing that represents a Mayan cultural expression. Each indigenous community or municipality in Guatemala has its own particular dress that is a way of demonstrating one's pride for one's local region. Ancient Mayan women wore the same style of shirts that are worn today. Byron continues, most Guatemalans, including indigenous, self-understand their traditional dress as a practice imposed by the Spanish that was then transformed into a subversive source of empowerment for a people who were classified like a science experiment. The wearing of traditional dress is a public manner of expressing pride in one's culture. It is a way of showing that one is not ashamed to be indigenous, one is not trying to assimilate into more Western Ladino culture. Many Mayan women wear the traje of their region to self-identify with their hometown. However, more and more Mayan women are wearing traje from different regions as a sign of pan-Mayan solidarity. Traje is not to be confused with the weavings that are mass-produced and commercially sold to tourists. For many tourists, Guatemala is synonymous with weavings. However, these types of weavings are not worn by the indigenous. Most Mayan men have all but abandoned traje, and one will often hear them describing the women as braver for embracing this deliberate statement of Mayan culture publicly. The act of wearing indigenous dress as part of one's ritual of thanksgiving in contemporary Guatemalan culture is a manner of theologically affirming the culture and voices of indigenous people. Byron says, I see my own photography as standing within this tradition, affirming the value and beauty of Mayan culture and telling the stories of the struggles and beauty of my community. Words of photographer Byron Maldonado in the catalog for the exhibition titled Mayan Narratives San Lucas, Toliman, Guatemala, photographs by Byron Maldonado at the Hope Horn Gallery at the University of Scranton, opening today and running through November 18th. Darlene Miller-Lanning, gallery director, tells us that Byron is a native of Guatemala, where he worked as a photographer for the San Lucas mission there, 
which has been a destination for University of Scranton service trips through campus ministries. As fate would have it, he now lives in Scranton, and the gallery now has the opportunity to show his portrait photographs documenting the town's Mayan culture. Myron Maldonado and Dr. Darlene Miller-Lanning paid a visit to the WVIA studios to talk with us about these powerful images and how the finding of a discarded camera became a treasure that changed Byron's life. Living in a small town where you don't have uh, too much of, I don't want to say opportunities because opportunities can, can happen some way, but you're trying to find the way that you can work in your passion. So I was a young guy in my town who loves uh, photography, but didn't have the opportunity because I was the youngest of my three sisters and the family. And of course, my parents need to look forward for my sister because they are women and they need to go and get education. So they pay for them to go to Guatemala City. In the meantime, I'm in, in San Lucas trying to figure out what to do. I was going to school, I to middle school. And it was this year when a few people in town, they want to collect soda cans. And of course, like you have different kinds of sodas around the world. And the most you have is you are like the most popular because everyone wants to see your collection and you use exchange and everything. So in my town, we live in the, in, in the shores of the Lake Catitlan. It is a beautiful lake in Guatemala. It's uh, only two hours from Guatemala City. And it's a very popular place that a lot of uh, wealthy people have houses, lake houses around the lake. So they come and visit the town maybe three times a, a year. But they bring like new, new stuff, like new cans, new different uh, displays, you know, so you can go and, and search it. But what happened in those years was that when they left the town, usually they throw the trash in the side of the road, what is like at the mountains. And we knew that those places. So we used to go on a bicycle and, and just jump in those hills and search for the soda cans. But one day I went to one of the houses around the lake. And we asked permission to, to see if through the trash, to, to search in the, in the trash. And it was a hole like maybe 10, 15 foot deep. And the person who was in charge of taking care of the house, he said, well, you need a rope. So he put the rope for us and I just climbed down and started digging in the, in, in the trash looking for the cans. And then I see the, the bag and I opened the bag and said, I got this is a camera. And it has a lens. So I was like, well, I didn't ex- expect that. So I asked to go up and I, I went up and I asked the, the person, I, I find this in the trash, can I take it? I said, well, it's trash, so you can take it. Go along with that. And, and I forget about that cancer. I just take my bike and with my cousin and I think I left my cousin behind because I was so excited to have that camera. In the way to my town, I was testing that camera and checking and see what, and I mean, it was working for me at the moment, but I was not sure because I was not an expert with cameras. I never see a professional camera before, and and then I took it to my town. And look at that, I kind of like I clean it up, but money for me was not an option, so I didn't have money for, for a film, so that way I can try the camera. So I asked my sister, who in that time they were in Guatemala City studying, and I asked them, can you take the camera with you and uh, take it to Guatemala City and ask someone who knows about photography if they can tell me if this camera really works because I want, I want to use it. So it took a couple months and I've been asking and asking like, what's going on with the camera? And they say, well, you know, we took it to a couple places. Someone recommended and they review the camera and they say that the camera is not working. It's 
trash. So, so we're gonna take it back to you. And so I was pretty disappointed because that was like my big chance to start taking photos. So in uh, in one moment, I have the chance to get money for one film, and it was like a twenty-four exposure that you can have. And I took it. I put the film in the camera, and I started like taking photos. But I mean, it's 24, and I need to be like, I am not gonna go crazy like now with a digital cameras that you can take a hundred photos in one second. And so I started taking photos around the town, and a couple of photos I was taking was in the other side of the lake, a nice view from my town with the volcanoes in the back. Then I went to the volcano. We climbed the volcano every November, January, and I took my camera, so I took some uh, sunrises and uh, and sunsets from that from that time. And then a couple months later, because I need to find money to develop in the film and see what if it's working or not. So I I don't remember how, but I, I got the money to go to the town that they have the the store where you can de- develop in the the film. And I give it to them, and and I wait for like one hour because it takes a little time. And I said, well, you know, like some of the photos are overexposed, but you have a couple there. So maybe from the 24 exposure, I have maybe like 10 photos that they were like, that you can see that is something in there, you know? So, so I asked them to print it for me. So I printed eight by 10 and I took it to my town and I framed it. And I used to own an internet place in my town. It was one computer you need to dial so that way you can connect it to the internet. And it was my store. So it was like, so I put my photos in the wall for sale. They're like, well, why not? I'm going to try it. <laughs> like, you never know. And a couple months later, the local bank, the managers of the local bank, they come to me and say, we know that you have some photos for sale, so can we look at it and see if we can buy it for you? And they like it and say, well, we're going to take this too, and it's going to be a present for a person that, that we need to give it to. So I ended like going to the local priest. So the, the father was Father Gregory Schaefer? Yes. From New Ulm in Minnesota? Yeah, from Minnesota, from New Ulm, from the Diocese of New Ulm. And he came to San Lucas to start the mission, and then that was your first job? Yeah, kind of. It, it went uh, rolling like that. So I, I went to, to meet with him, and uh, and he said, like, Do you took those photos? And I said, yes, those are my photos. I uh, I just took it like a couple years back, and uh, I printed and I sell it. So I like the photos, and... I want to offer you a job. I don't know if you're interested. So it's like, well, yes, I mean, I'm interested. <laughs> so, so I uh, I talked to him and he he asked me to take photos for him. He used to go to Minnesota to fundraise money for the for the community. And he asked me, can you do photos of the projects and uh, other specific photos that I need, that I need to take it and, and show it to people so that way they can donate money. So I say, yes, sure. Like I, I will love to work for you. You did the work for Father and documented the missionary work that was going on in your town. But then you couldn't just stop there. You had to keep taking pictures because you loved it. So, yes? That's correct, yes. I started taking photos for Father Greg, and then he asked me to work directly for him. Doing photos, but also in charge of uh, groups and volunteers at the mission. Because he was doing all this work, and he was getting tired and said, like, I need someone to help me. But at the same time, I was doing photos for the project. So I go and take photos of people working in the projects, the visitors. It's a huge medical program in the, in the mission. And they go visit the communities outside of my town. And I go with them. And I remember that I have this opportunity to take photos of these old ladies that they were 115 years old. 
I'm talking about maybe 20 years ago, or a little more. Uh, those photos are, is not in the in the exhibit in the exhibition because it was like in film and and I thought to put it on, but but I decided not to it. But when I took those photos, the lady was holding her eyebrows, so she was holding it up so that way she can see, because the age she was too old that she cannot she lost uh, the muscles in the eyes so she cannot see it. So yeah, so I keep going taking photos in that time in film because digital cameras were not available in that time. Years later started like coming out the, the first digital cameras. Years later started like coming out the, the first digital cameras. And I didn't have any ideas how to use it, but eventually I started doing digital photography. So. And darling, what will we see then in the Mayan narratives? There are two really large images. They're printed on canvas, so the scale for a few of them is pretty large. And there are two elderly women on the front wall. And so the majority of the photo is black and white. And then the hand-woven clothing that they're wearing with all this elaborate patterning is in color. And um, again, that relates to the traditional garments that they would wear in, in Santo Lamont. But they're I mean, there's a tradition there that in terms of the way that they're made, there's a weaving technique on a backstrap loom. That's correct, yeah. And they're just these really intricate, complicated, handmade garments that are emphasized against that that black and white figure. But then the figures themselves, because they're older, have these incredible faces and, and lines and eyes and features. And the scale is so large that when you walk in, you feel like you're meeting another person. They're about life-size and they're hung at eye level and so it's a really direct kind of experience when you see that and so that that's our front wall and as you go through the gallery there are different groupings but there are two main sections that have groups of six and some of them represent families children and families that's correct yes and so the one family that's uh lazaro diaz the the four brothers and sisters laszlo and judy and the last name is diaz and they are from the one of the communities outside of my town. I think that the exhibit, it shows a lot of, uh, for me, it's a little personal because it reminds me, if I see Lazaro, these big eyes, and uh, I remember he was uh, eating a mango, and, and so you can imagine, like, he's all messy and uh, dirt all over him, and, and he asked me for, for a photo, but because I'm from the community, I respect the community a lot, so I told him, I can take your photo, but I'm going to touch your parents before, because in that moment that we were helping the family, through the mission, uh, building a, a house. So they have a lot of people visiting. But when a kid asks you for a photo, I mean, you don't take it. You need to ask for permission and see if the parents are okay because it used to be this thing in Guatemala that people didn't like when people take their photo because they say that they take the soul of the people when they take the, the photo. So you need to be a little respected with that. So if they say, okay, so you do it. The parents say, yes, so I take the photo and Lazaro is looking at me directly to the camera with these big eyes and... I mean, it's the expression that he has. He's so happy because he was eating mango, but it can tell you a lot, like a beautiful, innocent boy that he doesn't know how his future is going to go. Like, but he has so much happiness in his face. So through the whole collection that we have at the university right now for the exhibit, you're going to see a lot of uh, people looking directly to the camera. And in the, in the interpretation can be taken in different ways. You can see happiness, sadness, frustration, pain, and uh, other things that the eyes can tell you. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to tell a different story to different people who see it. I think it also shows a lot of trust because to have someone to look directly at you in that 
way and understand that you're recording that image. They're trusting you to be honest about it and accurate about it and to not misrepresent them. And I think that that's a really beautiful quality in the show, that there's a, a sense of that overall throughout the, the various pieces. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's pretty important to say because having access to these families is pretty difficult. So to me, go to their houses and take photos of them, it took me to find the right people in my town. Because I left my town in 2006 uh, when we moved to Miami with my wife, uh, who is actually from Miami. So people start forgetting who you are because you change and you go back to town once a year. So I need to find people in my town that they can find these families that they can trust me enough to go and take photos of them. And that's the trust that Darlene was mentioning. So when I went to the houses, I take the portraits of the people. They don't have pretty much nothing. The houses are pretty much destroyed. They don't have uh, money to maintenance the house or do anything with the house. So they live with the money just to survive for the month or just to eat or maybe to buy some medication because they have so much pain because that helped. So to go there and take photos of them, I see a lot of people do go and visit people and they take photos and they take photos of the way that they, these people live. And I think that's not the right thing to do. One of the things that Father Greg teach me in those years that I was working with him, he was telling me like, if you go to take photos of the families that I'm asking you, you're gonna take photos of the families, not the way that they live. Because the families have a uh, dignity and that's the last thing that they, they're gonna lose. And you going to take photos of them is a little hard enough. So you need to, res- to be respected too. And uh, of course, I mean, I am not gonna be intruding and take photos of the way that they live because I want to show something. For me, showing, that people is more important than showing the way that they live. And let me ask you then, Byron, about the title of the show, Mayan Narratives. People here think of Mayans and we think about the historical images of the Mayan culture. Who are these people? So, yes, I mean, you're right. When you talk about Guatemala, Mexico, Central America, and you hear the the word of Mayan, uh, you think these people who live in the past and they build these ruins in, in the north of Guatemala, but they are descendants of the Mayans. So people call it indigenous people, but they are descendants from the, the Mayan culture. So in my town, it's a 90% of uh, Mayan population and a 10% that is a mix that we call Ladinos. And that's my family side. But 90% of the people, they speak Cachiquel, that is the local Mayan language. So in, in Guatemala, there are 26 different uh, languages and kind of like a similar. You can kind of like understand from one region to another region the way that they speak, except for one that is in, uh, in the same uh, lake, it's in Santiago Atitlan, that they speak a Sutuil. There is totally different language than the other 25 languages uh, uh, in Guatemala. So what happened is that each region has their own language and each region has their own typical dress. So what you see in my town, you don't see in a different town. And it's 12 towns around the lake, and each town has a different traditional dress. They're beautiful. Like When you see it, uh, some towns they conserve more the, the traditional dress. They, the women use it, the men use it. They're beautiful, like colors and everything. And everything has a mean, a significant. Like what they are wearing, you're gonna see in the, in the exhibition, we have a fabric of my town 
that is uh, through white and red, that the white is the purity of, uh, of the town or the people, and the red is the blood that goes through the, to the peoples or to the town. And you're going to see a lot of figures in, uh, in the fabric that it means the wildlife, that they live uh, free, that they live free in, uh, in, in the wild. So everything has a mean for the Mayan culture, so it's very important to to know. So I I have to ask because I, I am from my town, but sometimes you're ignorant that you don't know what the people are wearing. So I need to talk to people. I have a lot of friends that they are uh, they are local from my town, so they they teach me a lot. And it's one one image that we were talking with Arlene that this this lady has the traditional dress, red and, and white, but it has a black dot right in the middle of the chest. And I asked my friend uh, actually yesterday, like, so you can tell me a little more because I want to know what, what the significance of, uh, of the dress means. And he told me, well, that, that black dot, it means the sun. They give you the light to, to the town or to the, to the culture. See, everything is, is connected. So you're gonna see, if, if you had the chance to go to the, to the exhibit, you're gonna see all the, the images. It, it has a lot. So I make a, a black and white images pretty much in all the collection. And the only ones that I have a black and white in color are the ladies, are the women's. And it's a reason why I did that because mostly the Mayan women, they, they get married very early, 15 years old, 17 years old, start getting kids, having kids and, uh, and, and they stay home. So they lose pretty much all the rights and uh, the men goes to work bring the money to the house and, and they need to cook, they need to wash, they need to take care of the, of the kids. So they pretty much, the life is pretty hard, you know. I don't think that the new generations are doing that, but the old, older generations, they were like that. And that's what you can see in their faces. Like, you can see when they see it to the camera, they, they look directly to the camera, but there's something in, in, that, in that image that tell you, like, maybe she wants to scream, maybe she wants to just be free, but it's hard for the old, older generations that, that live in my towns. Yeah, they, they embody a lot of things, I think. There's a, a feeling, well, when I look at them at least anyway, that you, you know that some of them, the two women on the front wall, the images are, they're representing older women. And I think about the length of that lifespan and over 80 years, right? Yes, I mean, yeah. You see and you learn so many things. So there's wisdom there but not all of the things that you see or learn are good things so there's there's a sadness as well but then there's a an acceptance of that and and somehow a strength that comes out of having experienced those difficult things so they're they're very complex and to just see that represented in a figure without any kind of really complex imagery in the background that gives you some sort of a a hint of that or a frame of reference to what those things might be just the understanding that they're there. That's correct, yes. It's a pretty yeah. straightforward, powerful kind of feeling. There is one other really beautiful one in the show, uh, your grandfather. Yes. That was that photo, I took it on the same time that I took the photos of, uh, of the lady. So, so when I started doing this project, I started in 2012. I just got the idea to take photos of, of the Mayan community. And my cousin who was helping me in that time, Jacobo Malonao, told me, you know, we need to take a photo of our grandfather. I said, well, I'm taking photos only of Mayan people. I said, if you don't take the photo of your grandfather, you're going to receive a lot of complaints from your family. I said, well, I really don't care, but let's do the photo of my grandfather. You know, why not? He's old enough, and he has 
giving too much to the community as well. He and Father Greg and other people in the community, they work together to bring the electricity to the town. Uh, they bring the, the first phone to the town, so that way people have communication. So, And it's a beautiful photo because he's kind of like smiling. He never smiled, but it's like me. I am very serious, but uh, he was smiling when I took the photo. And I printed and I give it to all, all my uncles as a present one year. But the portrait is like you can see the Mayan people the way that they look in the photos, and you can see my grandfather. It's a pretty powerful photo because you know that if you know him, if you met him in the past, he passed away five years ago. He was like a pretty like a smart person uh, who knows what the people in San Lucas needed. Uh, he served as a mayor of the town for eight years, I think, or four years, and he donated his salary to the local school. He just wanted to give it to the community, as the same as Father Greg and and other people in the, in the town. So, and that's that's why I I love helping the community. Taking photos of, of these people who never been recognized uh, is pretty important. You know, like people who have been in the shadows, like these ladies that n- no one knows their name because they're indigenous people. So that's what I want to to show show the names and and how beautiful the people is. Documentary photographer Byron Maldonado and Dr. Darlene Miller-Lanning, director of the Hopehorn Gallery at the University of Scranton, speaking about the exhibition titled Mayan Narratives, San Lucas, Toliman, Guatemala, photographs by Byron Maldonado, opening today and running through November 18th. There will be an artist's talk this afternoon, beginning at 5 in Pern Auditorium in Brennan Hall, and the opening reception follows in the gallery. For more information on the web, scranton.edu, scranton.edu, and byronmaldonadophotography.com. And you spell Maldonado, M-A-L-D-O-N-A-D-O. That's an exhibition titled Mayan Narratives, San Lucas, Toliman, Guatemala, photographs by Byron Maldonado opening today and running through November 18th at the Hope Horn Gallery at the University of Scranton. There will be an artist's talk this afternoon, beginning at 5 in Pern Auditorium in Brennan Hall, and the opening reception follows in the gallery. The event is open to the public, free of charge, and the show will run again through November 18th. For more information, on the web, scranton.edu and byronmaldonadophotography.com.